In today's Trouble with the Snap, we will be previewing conference championship weekend in college football before talking some transfer portal as well as our favorite moments from the 2023 regular season. Roll the intro. Nick Saban, and in 2003, the Tigers captured the BCS. Michigan State Salem West Texan and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable! Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Trouble with the Snap. I'm your host Colton Deutsch, joined as always by my 2022 World Series champion, as his beanie says, Will Shemansky in Bryan College Station, Texas at Texas A&M University. The Aggies, Will, how are you doing today? That was a hell of an intro. I'm really impressed. Um, I'm doing pretty well. Just had a really low-key day. I didn't have class today. Uh, knocked out some homework, watched some TV, uh, watched some sports, all the above, and just chilled. How was your day? How are you doing? It was pretty good. I have a couple assignments I need to knock out before I'm pretty much done for the semester, aside from finals, obviously, should probably get started on that studying pretty soon. But yeah, I just have a couple projects and papers to knock out. But uh, besides that, nothing too crazy. Honestly, just kind of ready for college football this weekend. Yeah, you and me both, man. Um, that's the thing. I'm right there. I'm in the exact same spot as you are right now as well. I got a I got a group project due on Sunday. And a few assignments sprinkled in through there um, before college football. So I'm ready to get all that stuff behind me and just get to the weekend and get ready to crush finals starting next week. When is this volleyball game we were talking about the other night? That is a really good question. I, I didn't give you an answer on that. So that's my apologies. Let me look this up just one moment. I'll beat you to it. You already got it pulled up? Yep. Let's see. This game is on oh it's on thursday nice it's on thursday at six o'clock uh okay wait that's today holy cow because <laughs> it's yeah. already it's already past midnight i just realized there we go man it's you, you gonna pull up then i mean look if people are really waiting for a year from today when our teams play each other in football uh, just wait the volleyball one is gonna be much more intense i i completely agree especially in that uh you know, anytime you're in like a roofed environment, like I get it, like football, everyone's like it's the most intimidating because they have the most people. I don't know. There, there's certainly some college basketball venues that I've been to, at least here at AM at Reed, um, that that certainly give Kyle, a, a, an average Kyle Field crowd a run for its money, just considering how loud it gets in there and all that. So I, I can kind of agree with you on that one for volleyball. I mean, I know we're not doing locks of the week this week, but I'm taking Texas volleyball as a lock of the week. Really? Because I, I, I heard the Aggies are going to pull the upset in Austin. That's just what I heard. Is that a lock? Yeah. I mean, granted, all the sources that I have within the a volleyball program here, they're, they're telling me they're feeling really confident traveling to Austin later today to take on the Horns. I, I think they get it done, Colton. I think I think they're ready to shock the world and move on. 
Well, I guess we'll have to update the listeners on that one in the next episode. But I do. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good from what I've seen around campus. That's fair. Seems like spirits are high. Of course, that that's that's, that's, a good that's always good. I've heard there's a disgusting game plan in place for the Aggies today. Is there? It's just things I've heard through the kind of just through the grapevine. Through your sources? Yeah, people have been talking. People okay. have been chatting up at the diner, so we'll see. I'm, okay. I'm feeling real good about tonight. Okay. Well, that's that's good because that I mean, as I just said a moment ago, I'm feeling really good about the Ags tonight. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, this just got really awkward. It kind of did. You know what? On that note, let's just dive right into football. Colton, would you mind leading us off with our first preview like always? Yeah, that was way too much high attention for 12.30 in the morning. But <laughs> Volleyball you know, game nonetheless. Right? Hey, this means something to me. <laughs> we're, we're just but, passionate about our schools. I, I really respect that for both of us. I mean, this is the biggest thing that's going to be going on on my Thursday now that I found out what day the game was. All right, can we please shift gears now to football? <laughs> Conference USA Championship. The New Mexico State Aggies are playing the Liberty Flames. Uh, Flames is a fantastic mascot, by the way. Uh, Caden Salter for Liberty, their quarterback. Will and I actually saw him play uh, for Cedar Hill in the state championship game. He was at Tennessee for just a minute, then went up to Liberty and has Liberty undefeated. Uh, really curious to see how... Uh, this Conference USA and the American game kind of uh, play out here because uh, Tulane kind of has the upper hand right now by just about one ranking, I believe, for the group of five New Year's six spot, even though they have a loss. Uh, Liberty doesn't really seem to get too much respect from the committee due to the Conference USA being kind of down. But this could be a pretty good one, not only because it would be a championship win, cap off an undefeated season, but New Mexico State uh, is also coming off a win at Auburn uh, just a couple weeks ago. So this one, I see this kind of going in the Flames way there. I think Caden Salter will have a very big day and Liberty gets it done and wins the American. This is kind of a side note. The Conference USA, sorry. um, Regardless of what happens to Liberty, I mean, in my opinion, they could make it like, you know, go undefeated for like 10 straight years and eventually make the CFP, all that. No matter how far the program goes, my favorite memory and, and uh, the one thing that I will always think of when I hear that like hear the word Liberty football is that picture of Hugh Freeze uh, pointing down. You know exactly. The thumbs up from, from, from the from hospital the, bed. Yes, from the hospital bed, the press box. That is every so single funny. time I hear the word Liberty. That is what I think of, and I will always do that. Was that against who are they playing? That was that Syracuse? It might have been. I don't remember. It was so funny. Um, man, that I. Just ever since that happened, I, that's just exactly what I uh, think of when I hear the word Liberty football. So I don't know. It was so funny. All right, moving on. Uh, next game. Pretty big one here. First Power 5 game on our slate we're previewing. Oregon versus Washington for the Pac-12. You know, it's a huge rematch. We've been looking forward to this one ever since these two last butted heads. Um, I believe that was probably every bit of six weeks ago. As we all know, in the first game, uh, Washington walked away with a dub on a final second game-winning field goal. However, um, since that game, it certainly seems as if Oregon is trending up and Washington has not necessarily trended down, but certainly had their fair share of lumps along the way um, to get to this championship game. Um, You know, Bo Nix, as we all know, who will most likely be a Heisman finalist this year, has just been Mr. Everything for this Oregon offense. He's He's led their attack like crazy. And apparently, according to the CFP committee, he's the reason why Oregon is still uh, in the top five over maybe potential better teams such as Alabama or Texas, things like that. So, um, yeah, Bo Nix, he, he has a, he's got a lot of pull this year because of his, his great play. But anyways, going back to the game, um, 
Man, this this is exactly what I'm looking for. Out of all the conference championship games, I certainly think this one will be the closest, at least from what I'm seeing at the, at the moment. Um, you know, and looking at Washington, of course, uh, similar story there. Their their biggest uh, their biggest asset for the entire team has been the play of Michael Penix this year. Of course, he has some you know a few star wide receivers and running backs, things like that. But the entire team pretty much has run through Michael Penix this year. Um, so ultimately, in my opinion, this, as you could probably see where this is going, this game will, will just come down to which quarterback has the better day, who, which, who plays the more clean game, who protects the football, things like that. I know it sounds really um, kind of cliche and just uh, very basic of me to say that, but I think that's the absolute truth in this game. Um, so for my prediction in this game, I would definitely probably roll with the Oregon Ducks here. Um, I think they'll probably get it done by about a touchdown. Um, because as I was saying, the ducks have just been hot and they've just been trending up and up and up since that one loss to the Huskies earlier in the year. And the Huskies have been, have, uh, kind of hit, uh, kind of hit a little bit of a skid. Not, I mean, kind of a skid, but just kind of their ups and downs as the season's, uh, wrapped up. So ultimately I do think that Oregon with that momentum, as I guess mentioned, will get the job done against Washington and bring home the PAC 12 championship. Yeah, I cannot wait for this game. Like you mentioned, I mean, that was definitely one of the best regular season games, if not the best in this entire year. Uh, look, in that game, Dan Lanning was super, super aggressive, which I liked. In the end of the game, when they were up uh, by, I forgot how much they were up by, but I mean, they went for it. I think they were up by four, right? But they went for it at around midfield, uh, trying to really put the game away. They couldn't do that. Penix comes back with a strike to Roma Dunze and you know, Oregon misses a field goal at the gun there, but it was kind of a game where it felt like Oregon was was the better team, but to Washington's credit, they were able to make a lot of critical stops, whether it was on fourth down or inside the red zone. I'm kind of with you. I think Washington has kind of been living on the edge lately. And, yeah, this is a potential Heisman showdown between Penix and Bo Nix. But, yeah, in this game, I just kind of think Oregon's a more physical team. I think they're the better team, and which might sound weird because Washington did win the first matchup, but I think it's hard to beat any good team twice in a season, no matter what. And I think Oregon was probably the better team and they will get it done here. The line though at minus nine and a half for Oregon is pretty interesting. That seems pretty disrespectful. I will say though, um, the main reason why I'm also rocking with Oregon is you look at, uh, at the first meeting with these teams that we had about six weeks ago is what I was saying, if not a little bit longer. Um, this game was a home, a true home game for the Huskies, and they only won by a field goal on a last-second field goal nonetheless. Um, so with this now being a neutral side game uh, where the Huskies don't have their home field advantage there, um, I, I certainly feel even more confident in choosing Oregon to win this. Yeah, I cannot wait for this game. It'll be awesome. Moving on to the Big 12 Championship, Saturday morning, 11 a.m., you have Texas and Oklahoma State. Uh, This is a game that I really kind of think is just a good matchup for Texas. It's one of those where Oklahoma State is really focused on trying to run the ball, or that's at least what the strength of their team is. Ollie Gordon is maybe the best back in the country. And look, Mike Gundy is a really good coach. It looked like they were going to fall apart this year after losing to South Alabama and being 2-2, but they turned it around there and find themselves here in the Big 12 Championship game. Mike Gundy kind of always has the Longhorns number, um, and you know that he's going to have a lot of wrinkles to throw out. I do kind of expect Texas to have guys open down the field just due to some mismatches on the outside with the receivers and Oklahoma State safeties, kind of being a bit suspect to getting beaten deep. Um, And so I think if Quinn Ewers can play a clean game and hit the open guys, Longhorns shouldn't really have much of an issue moving the ball. 
And defensively, I think if Longhorns play aggressive like they did against Texas Tech, they said have a pretty good chance of shutting down Allen Bowman in the Cowboy offense. So I see the Longhorns getting it done here. Uh, we'll see if one, if they can just win, and two, if they can put on some style points to impress the playoff committee should it come to that. Yeah, not really much for me to say here. Um, I agree with pretty much everything you were saying. Um, this game to me feels like one of the more lopsided, uh, at least matchup-wise, uh, conference championships that we have on this slate. Um, you know, Texas has, ever ever since they took that loss in the Cotton Bowl, fairly early on in the season to Oklahoma, they've just seemed to get better and better. So, I mean, they've had a few slip-ups here and there, but ultimately they were still um, able to grind out a win, and that was that's considering uh, the Oklahoma game was the only loss. But um, – with all that in mind, and you know, as well as Texas has played these past few weeks, I, I think that the, the Horns will get it done here on on Saturday. Uh, no questions asked. And I, I do also agree with what you're saying, especially with this being Oklahoma State's last time for probably a very long time to play the Longhorns. Um, Mike Gundy, I mean, my, you know, he's he certainly has a few tricks up his sleeve. He has in the past. Um, so I'm assuming he's going to be throwing the entire kitchen sink in this, uh, not just because it's the Big 12 championship, but also just because – of it's Oklahoma State's last time to play the Horns in a very long time. So um, if I were Texas, I would say expect anything. Um, don't be surprised by anything because, you know, he might come out just completely guns ablaze and we have no idea. Um, but either way, even if he does that, I still like Texas in this game pretty yeah. pretty confidently. I, I definitely expect at least a trick play or two. No questions asked. Absolutely. And uh, I think it's kind of cool. I mean, it would have been fun to play Oklahoma again. Unfortunately, they do have to watch Texas from their couch while they wear those shirts that they made after a regular season victory. But, I mean, with Oklahoma State, like, they've kind of had Texas number, and Sark actually hasn't beaten Oklahoma State. So, Hmm. and they're kind of the one team in the leftovers of the Big 12 the Longhorns didn't get to play. So, uh, I mean, it would be kind of a fitting end to this uh, kind of, last ride in the conference so we'll see what it's like i'm excited to get to jerry world but uh, also nelly's performing at halftime which is pretty funny dude that's sick he peaked in like what 2008 maybe i know it's so <laughs> funny i mean i haven't heard that name in so long do you think he still wears like the band-aid under his left eye when he performs or is that like is that long gone in the past do you even know what i'm talking about I'll have to let you know. I mean, I would think that's just like kind of a part of his thing, right? Well, it used to be like that. Like that's what like truly separated him back in the days. He had that like little white bandaid under his eye, um, which was just incredibly interesting. I mean, like out of all the things you could do to set yourself apart, you know, you could wear like a cool shirt or, you know, bright flashy shoes or things like that. The dude said, I'm putting a bandit on my face. That's just kind of random. Um, I've never even heard of a halftime show at any college game. Well, I mean, of course you have them in like the college football playoff, things like that. I remember when I went to the AM uh, North Carolina Orange Bowl game in 20, uh, like January of 2021. Um, we were supposed to have a halftime show, but instead, since it was COVID, they gave us a halftime drone show, which just sucked. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I, I'm serious. Oh my um, gosh. It reached the point where um, since we couldn't have the halftime show due to the virus, um, they pulled up like. Uh, <laughs> I, I swear to God, they pulled up 2019's halftime show, the Orange Bowl, and did a light show to it, or a drone show. Oh, my God, it's brutal. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, I mean, so I guess I'm getting a football game, and I'm getting a Nelly concert, so. That's what's up, a two-for-one ticket. Yeah, explains all the ticket prices. <laughs> Sounds kind of like Miami's <laughs> like Miami's ticket strategy earlier on in the season. Yeah, and literally, I mean, this is going to be huge for Nelly. Absolutely, I mean, 
you know, if, if this can get his career right back on track, he has he can only thank the Big Twelve. Like I don't even know what I'm more excited about between the Nelly concert and the potential of winning a conference championship. I, so, I so the even... thing that I'm hearing now is that you're going for the Nelly concert, and you just happen to have like a, a football game on the side. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I actually plan on leaving at, after halftime. Oh, do you? I might just show up at halftime, just walk in, and then walk out. I don't blame you. I mean, we do that at the rodeo all the time. We don't go for the actual rodeo itself. We just go for the concert and leave. Well, it's going to be a heck of a concert and maybe a heck of a football game as well. But I'll definitely get back. I'll definitely get back with some concert reviews. Let's move on to some action. Miami of Ohio and Tulane in Ford Field reminds me of that of that awesome video with the high school team when they're preparing for the state championship game, and they're all uh, the one. I think I I got my uh, swagger back video. Oh, yeah, yeah, Awesome, awesome video and team that also played in Ford Field. I see Toledo getting it done here just to do it for the glass bowl. The Rockets are a great mascot. Boise State UNLV in Vegas for the Mountain West Championship game. Former Texas receiver coach Brennan Marion uh, has kind of moved around all over the place. Now he's an offensive coordinator at UNLV, and this game was decided by computers that got these two teams matched up. Boise State actually doesn't even, doesn't even have a head coach. And around the conference championship game, I see UNLV getting it done here in essentially a home field environment. SEC championship game, Will, what do you got for us? So it's Georgia-Bama. Um, we all know what to kind of expect with Georgia-Bama. Um, Shocker, right? Georgia-Bama. Uh, yeah, once again, like no one saw this one coming. Um, oddly enough, though, I did see um, a stat that said in like the past, I believe, like 10 or so seasons, Georgia and Bama have only met either in a conference championship or the CFP. They haven't met in the regular season, but they, they are changing that next year um, when the conference expands. I thought that was kind of interesting. But anyways, as for this game, man, it's truly just a battle of college football titans uh, over the past few years, if not a decade or so. Um you know, Bama riding in with the hot hand, of course, feeling really good about that miracle they had on Jordan Hare um, the weekend prior. You know, they've they, their one loss of the season just happened to be Texas in week two. And ever since that, they've been able to take care of business, no matter how good or how sloppy it may have been. Um, they still got it done. And as I've liked to say on the show, like a million times throughout the year, Bama just got, has just gotten stronger and stronger and better and better throughout the entirety of the season. Um, so it'd be very interesting to see what happens when the unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Um, as for Georgia, you know, undefeated once again, big shocker. There you go. Um, but kind of similar thing here with Bama, especially, um, I feel like, especially since Brock Bowers came back from that injury, uh, Georgia's just been back to just being plain old Georgia. Um, you know, they went to Tennessee a couple weeks ago on the road and just absolutely handled business, manhandled them there. Um, and just with all that being said, with them being undefeated, taking care of business, this is just setting up for another all-time classic, in my opinion. But if I had to make a pick in this game, that's really tough. Um, I, I, I got to do it. I think um, I think Kirby Smart will get it done once again against Alabama. Um, I got to roll with the Georgia Bulldogs. And I don't think this game will be particularly like a blowout by any means necessary. I think it could come down – um, you know, maybe like a last second game winning drive as what we saw, um, I believe it was 2019 or like, uh, like the end of like December of 2019, uh, when Jalen Hurts led that drive, um, against Georgia in the conference championship, as we all remember. And so I think this game can certainly, when it gets down to it can end in a very similar fashion to that. But ultimately I do think that the Georgia Bulldogs will come out on top. 
yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this game. I will say I'm, I'm going to pick Georgia as well. I don't think Georgia is nearly as dominant as – or just – I don't think that they're as loaded as they have been the last couple of years. They obviously are still incredible, but it felt kind of like it was just unfair. The last, the last two seasons, Jalen Milrow – very, very big test. Look, we, we mentioned it to his credit. He has done a great job improving as the year goes on. But I think, I mean, this is pretty clearly the best defense he's played since the Texas game. And I kind of think that George is going to make him a little bit uncomfortable, kind of force him into some throws that he maybe does not want to make or feel, or feel comfortable making. I do expect a very physical game. I am curious to see. And I think we mentioned before the year how, it kind of has felt like the last couple of years of Bama has not had the receiving core that we've kind of expected from them and seen from them uh, really since probably 2017, 2018. But Isaiah Bond and Jermaine Burton have really started to step up, and we'll see if they can give Georgia some problems here. But I'm with you. I think it's going to be a pretty close game, but I think Carson Beck and the dogs are going to be a little too much for the Crimson Tide. But, man, it's so hard to pick against Nick Saban. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I've said this in the past on previous episodes. Um, I'll, I'll, I, I'm kind of contradicting myself here, but I, I have been on record saying that I'll never bet against an Alabama team as long as Nick Saban's on their sideline. That, but that's exactly what I'm doing for this game. I just think Georgia will just, they'll just sneak by and just get the job done. I really do. I mean, what's Georgia? 29 straight? Something like that. It's just something it's... absolutely ridiculous. That's incredible. If I'm being honest, America, I can't. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I was yeah. just gonna say I don't even remember. I I can't even physically remember the last time Georgia lost a football game in my mind. It was to Alabama. Was it to Bama in that um, championship game with uh, Devontae Smith making that catch? No, no, it was to. So in 21, they lost to Bama in the championship game with Bryce Young, and then they played again in the Natty. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. That so they avenged their, their loss. So that it was even their matter. last loss. Yeah. So then I think if you don't want to count that because they ended up avenging it, I believe it would have been 2020. They lost to Florida. I remember that. Dang, yeah. dude, that's crazy. What a run they've been on. Yeah, they're they're insane. American Championship SMU versus or going to New Orleans to play the Tulane Green Wave, like we mentioned. Tulane and Liberty are kind of the top two G5 schools there for the New Year's Six spot. And I think Tulane gets this one done. Unfortunately, SMU quarterback Preston Stone has had a really good year, has a broken leg, so he obviously will not be playing. And, yeah, I think Michael Pratt and Tulane are able to get this one done. And they find themselves in a New Year's Six game, probably the Peach Bowl. Sunbelt Championship, App State versus Troy. I wish this was James Madison, but I think App State, you can just never bet against them, and I think that – I would know. To, right? I think they're <laughs> going to defend JMU's honor and win the Sun Belt. Big Ten Championship. Will, what are you liking from our Hawkeyes? I was getting it done right now. No, I'm just playing. Um, as always, as we've talked about Iowa, the thing I love about the team, the defense, the thing I absolutely loathe and despise about the team, the offense. Um, just straight up. So I think I love their offense. Oh, do you? It's so funny. You know, I'm gonna, I love Iowa. I wouldn't change him. You know what I'm going to get you for Hanukkah, Colton? I'm going to get you one of those shirts that we've seen on TV during their games that says, I cheer for the punter in like black and gold. Yeah, I'll wear that. <laughs> I have an Iowa 2015 Big Ten Championship shirt. I'll wear that for sure. Okay. Um, as for this game, um, you know, Michigan, this will be the first game if they have Jim Harbaugh back on the sidelines since his three-game suspension. Um, 
clearly coming off a, a third straight win against their biggest rival in, in Ohio State. Uh, boys are feeling really good. As I said, another undefeated season going into another conference championship. Um, and to them, all they got to do is just handle business here. And without a doubt, they're certainly a lot for the college football playoff. Um, so ultimately I do think Michigan will get this done, even though JJ McCarthy, he is just completely relying on the run game. As we all know, I still think he will get the job done and his boys, um, will bring home the big 10 championship as much as it pains me to say, cause I truly do love the Iowa Hawkeyes. They're just so fun. Um, as for Iowa, it's it's just the offense, you know. I mean, I feel like Michigan, if they if they score fourteen points, that that's enough for them to score. Just considering how dominant the Michigan Wolverines defense is, and just how sputtering and awful the Iowa offense is. Um, so, and and the only scenario that where I see Iowa winning is if they truly just play a perfect scot free game, meaning that their their defense just makes no mistakes, is able to keep Michigan in check all night. Um, and their offense is able to drive down and maybe kick like three field goals. So I, in the in an only in the only scenario I see Iowa winning would be like a like a six three or six nothing game or nine three something like that, just all field goals. But I just that's that's not a really realistic outcome. So I certainly um, I'm gonna rock with Michigan in this one. Yeah, I think there still is a chance that our conspiracy theory is true that Iowa has a special playbook loaded up for this weekend that involves double, triple passes, fumble ruskies, Statue of Liberties, and everything in between hook and ladders. But uh, to me, if that is not the case, I just don't see how Iowa is going to score any points, really. And not having Cooper Gene definitely does not help your defense or team or return game at all, considering the only way they could probably score in this game would actually be off a return, and that's not happening now that the Gene is not back there. I do think it's really interesting. Well, let me know what you think about this. I think it's pretty crazy to say because I was a 10 and two team, but I think this would be one of the biggest upsets in college football history. If they pulled this off, I completely agree because if you, um, you look back to earlier in the season when I took their first loss of the season, when they went to happy Valley and lost to Penn state 30 to nothing. Um, clearly Michigan is a much more powerful, just, just more dominant overall team than Penn state was. I get it. The game was the whiteout for, for the Nittany lions, but they, I was still lost by 30 points. Um, so pretty much what I'm saying is I just, I just, I don't see how this is going to happen for Iowa, no matter how bad I want to like, you know, will them to victory. It's just, it's just not going to happen. It's crazy to, to have, what is Iowa ranked 16 to have a top, have a, to have a top 20, 16 matchup yeah, 16. and it's almost like unfathomable to think that Iowa could, could win the game. I can't even really muster up scenarios and where they score more than a touchdown. This like truly is um, like the David and Goliath game of the, of the season. Like, and it's not even because Michigan is that good. Like, Michigan is obviously really good, but they have. I mean, they Iowa couldn't even score yeah. two touchdowns against Nebraska. So <laughs> I know, or or really anyone, basically. So yeah, this would be one of the greatest and funniest upsets in college history. But yeah, I mean, I think Michigan could probably get up seventeen to nothing and just pull everybody. Dude, they could get up fourteen to nothing and pull everybody. Seven to nothing might do it. <laughs> Three nothing. Honestly, two. <laughs> The rare well, I think their point, kicker's pretty good, though. So the rare one-point safety might bail them out. Yeah, one point could also do it. So, yeah, I think I think Maze and Blue is going to be 
pretty happy with a third straight Big Ten championship come Saturday night. ACC championship game. Me personally, I'm hoping that Texas gets the job done so I can have a lot of rooting interests in this game. They would need a Louisville victory here. This game is interesting. I wonder if people are a bit down on Louisville after the Kentucky loss, uh, which Louisville just kind of committed a few too many turnovers, a rivalry game. Louisville has been good this year. They did take advantage of a favorable schedule, but you play who you play. Jack Plummer and Jawar Jordan have been very good this year. I'm just a little bit concerned that Florida State might be too athletic for them and that that D-line with Jared Verse could really cause some problems. I think if Louisville is able to hold up in pass protection, they might have enough juice to put up some points here. And if you're FSU, I don't know that you want to get in a shootout considering you have Tate Rodemaker and not Jordan Travis. But I kind of get the sense that Rodemaker is probably going to be better this week than last week. I think last week he was kind of trying to figure things out. And obviously having a new quarterback in, you have to learn how to play with him. Look, I just think having Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman – and Trey Benson and those guys are really enough weapons for Florida State to find a way to get this one done if their defense is able to get after Louisville. You know, I completely agree as we um, with you on that one. Um, you know, as as we've mentioned previously, Louisville is with their first year head coach, um, and it kind of feels like up to this point they've just been completely exceeding expectations, no questions asked. Um, so it's, it'll be really interesting to see just when that first year head coach kind of magic runs out. I feel like, um, I don't want, I'm not trying to like downplay that Louis, like saying that Louisville was a bad team. They're absolutely not by any means. Um, but maybe they're just over exceeding just a little bit, maybe just if you see what I'm saying. Um, so Clearly, in this game, in my opinion, I think Florida State certainly, as Colton just mentioned, they're just more athletic. They just got more freaks on both sides of the ball that can just wreak havoc at any given time. Um, of course, the biggest story here is Florida State's playing this game without Jordan Travis. Um, you know, they did that last week against Florida State or against Florida, excuse me, in the swamp and still got the job done, um, which is a very impressive road win. I mean, the swamp is one of the hardest places to play in the entire the entire country. Um, in this game, though, I, I will rock with the Seminoles just because straight up they're just more freaky athletic and just a better overall team. Um, I think that they'll be able to overpower Louisville. Um, I think they'll be more physical on the lines of scrimmage. I think that, um, you know, as Colton mentioned, like wide receivers like Johnny Wilson, guys like that, they'll just, you know, just give the Louisville DBs hell all game. Um, and even on a backup quarterback – I, I still think Florida State will certainly find a way to get the job done. I think this is one of the better conference championship weekends that I can recall in some time. And I think it was really close to getting even better. I mean, I think if it was Texas OU and if Louisville had beaten Kentucky last week, I mean, this would be an incredible slate. Yeah. But, I mean, I think there's I mean, pretty much every championship game has big-time implications Especially, I mean, the Pac-12 is basically a play-in game. Texas-Oklahoma State is an elimination game for Texas. Georgia-Bama is a potential play-in as well. I mean, obviously Louisville and Florida State and Michigan have a lot to play for too. So I'm really excited for the, for this weekend. And I guess it'll be nice to uh, – I guess we can kind of get to focus on maybe one to two games at a time instead of ten games at a time. But that's kind of how it is. It is always fun. But – 
it's winding down, so we got to enjoy it. Seeing this championship slate just makes me realize just how awesome the 12-team playoff will be next year when it's implemented. It, it's just going to be so much fun, it's, especially when you factor in, like, on-campus playoff games and just things like that and just, like, oh, it's just going to be so awesome. Like, I truly cannot wait for that next season. I keep seeing all the hypotheticals, and yeah. I see a Texas-Penn State matchup in Austin. That would just be incredible. incredible. Yeah. And especially if you're a school that's going to have a big-time non-conference game to start the year, if you make the playoffs, you basically get another one if you get to host, mm-hmm. which is going to be really, really fun. But we'll just have to enjoy the end of this year and get to that next year. But, yeah, with that, that'll wrap up our conference championship preview and predictions. Let's get into a little transfer portal stuff here. The portal opens up on Monday, but if your coach – has gotten fired or leaves for another job. The portal opens immediately. You had two big quarterback moves here. First, Max Johnson, the former LSU and Texas A&M quarterback, commits to North Carolina. To me, this seems like a pretty good fit. Carolina is losing Drake May. And Max Johnson, while not great, I always think he's been a pretty tough and solid quarterback. So I I think it could work out pretty well for Carolina to at least have an experienced guy back there as you lose your star in Drake May. Yeah, you know, I I will always love Max Johnson for his time here at AM. The dude was able to somehow work a little bit of magic with feels like horrible coaches. And um the one thing that I that will always uh stand out to me about Max Johnson is just his toughness week in and week out. Um the dude is just an absolute warrior. He he especially this past season um, with how bad AM's offensive line was, I believe AM's O line ranks bottom five in the entire country for things like QB pressures, QB hits allowed, things like that, sacks. Um, so for him to take all those hits, just play after play, and still stand in there and just compete and fight for his team, it, it's really, um, it's really admirable. Um, and I really, really appreciate what he's done here at AM. So Max, I wish you the best of luck. I know you'll tear it up at UNC, especially. Uh, with Drake May going out, it's it's your show to run. It'll be kind of interesting though because, um, you know, Mac Brown is still the head coach at UNC, and we all know Mac Brown used to square off with A and M a lot back um, when we were both still in the Big Twelve. So it'd be kind of funny, I guess, at least in my opinion, to have a former A and M quarterback be coached by Mac Brown. It's just kind of kind of weird, but just I don't know, kind of cool, I guess, at the same time. Yeah, no, it's a nice little crossover. We had another big move on Tobacco Road, obviously with Mike Elko going to Texas A and M. Definitely makes it understandable for a lot of Duke Blue Devils to enter the portal. Riley Leonard, the star quarterback who really played well in 2022 and was having a really good 2023 year, being able to beat Clemson and come down to the wire against Notre Dame. Unfortunately, when he got hurt against the Irish, it kind of just ruined his season and most of Duke's season as well. They had some look; they had some pretty legit ACC championship hopes, and uh, even though Leonard was a warrior for trying to come back and play. It just it didn't really ever click back for him, just still kind of battling injury. But Notre Dame is losing Sam Hartman, and they could use another experienced quarterback to try and reload. And it seems like that's where Leonard is rumored to go. So I think that'd be a pretty good fit and nice pickup for the Irish. Absolutely. Um, you know, Riley Leonard, it felt like uh, when he was healthy before that Notre Dame game uh, with that injury, he was just doing doing it all for the for the Blue Devils this season. Um, something to note, as Colton just mentioned, um, Riley Leonard has in fact been linked to potentially transfer to Notre Dame that they, the Irish seem to be like the front runner for him. 
um, things like that. So in a hypothetical scenario, um, Notre Dame to open up the season comes to college station next year. Um, so we could have a bit of a, a crossover event uh, here in college station, to open up next year's season with former Duke head coach, um, and defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, Mike Elko, leading his Aggies against his former quarterback at Duke, um, Riley Leonard. And uh, Mike Elko, as I just said a moment ago, will also be squaring off against his former team that he was a DC for. So there's kind of a lot of moving parts there. Riley Leonard decides to make the make the switch to the Fighting Irish. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it'll uh, be very interesting to see how this plays out. I mean, um, pretty much everything I've read up up to uh, up to this point has linked him to Notre Dame. So I, I, at this point forward, I would pretty much assume that's where he's headed, but either way, um, no matter where he goes, whether it's Notre Dame or not, um, whatever school officially takes him in, they're getting a stud quarterback and they're getting someone, um, who can truly just get the job done as we saw earlier this past season. Yeah. He also has a no contact tag, I believe is, is what it's called. And typically players, put that on when they enter the portal and they already kind of have a destination in mind. So definitely seems like he'll be playing in blue and gold next year, but we will keep y'all updated. But I think with that, that'll pretty much wrap up any of our uh, discussions. So I think we're just going to try and close it out with, I know we're talking about conference championship weekend, but this has been such a fun regular season. I, th- I think the regular season is truly the best part of the year, even though it is fun to have high stakes games, but it's just obviously more craziness going on in the regular season. So they were just going to talk about our, our favorite moments. So, Will, what do you got? So, out of the absolute million different choices I feel like we've had this this regular season, um, the one that I just, for whatever reason, loved the most was the Texas Tech possum that ran on the field about three weeks to a month ago. Um, just absolutely hilarious. I thought I – thought, um, I thought it was funny as hell, especially when um, the grounds crew was kind of like dragging him and he was just kind of screaming so on and so forth between that video itself and all the memes that that have been generated on, you know, social media, Twitter, Instagram, things like that. Um, that without, without a doubt is um, certainly my favorite little kind of meme, whatnot moment of the year. What about you? Cole? Yeah, that was so funny. And it was so Texas tech in my opinion, to just be out there in West Texas and have a possum roaming around the field. I thought that was funny as hell. I'm surprised he wasn't like 500 pounds though, considering they throw tortillas on the field constantly. Yeah. You know, they even did that in Austin. Did they really? Yeah. Man. Oh, nothing like when I was in Lubbock last year. That was, that was a sight to see. Man. But for me, I, I'm going to stick with a moment that also involves animals. However, this one does not involve a real one. It involves the Oregon duck. What is his name? Actually? The mascot. Isn't it puddles? Something like that. Let me, let me look that up real quick. I think it's puddles, but Regardless, yeah, the uh, so the Oregon mascot, I think, as as some people know or might have seen, but typically when a team scores a touchdown or really gets any points on the board, the mascot does push-ups for the total number of points that they have, but they have to continue it and they have to start over each time they score. So Oregon against Portland State scored 81 points. The Oregon mascot had to do about 500 push-ups, and there's a very funny picture of him laying down looking exhausted as i'm pretty sure he was after doing 500 push-ups so that was very funny so according to google the duck's official name is just the organ duck um it's not puddles it's uh, puddles is kind of like a nickname that was given to him although it's not like his official name like people still know him as puddles if that makes sense 
Okay. Because um, I was going to say, I could have sworn that I heard Puddles before. You you definitely have heard Puddles, but his true like official government name is the Oregon Duck. Pretty self-explanatory. Wow. I know. What a name. I think Puddles is better, but I'm going to let him do what he does. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think last thing we're going to close out with is our favorite game of the year. For me, it was the week five Ole Miss LSU game in Oxford. Ole Miss wins 55 to 49. Just a wild game. A typical or atypical shootout for the SEC. And I mean, you had that uh, the, the play early in the game when Jay and Daniels just got rocked and fumbled the ball. It seems like every game Daniels gets thrown around like a rag doll. And you have Ole Miss having to come back down late in, in the fourth quarter. Then they end up getting a stop in the red zone late and Crouch storms the field. You also had the video of that Ole Miss student who was standing on the crossbar of the goalpost. Security tried to get him down. He attempts a front flip, lands on his back. He was okay, but very funny video. I heard it was deemed the flip and the sip. So Ole Miss LSU, excellent game, excellent crowd storming. That was my favorite game of the year. So my favorite game of the year, I know we bash on uh, Big Ten teams the most, but oddly enough, one of their teams gave me my favorite game. Um I'm referring to Ohio State Notre Dame from week four. Uh, September 23rd, Ohio State won 17-14 in South Bend over the Fighting Irish. Um, just classic quintessential slugfest. I, uh, I feel like um, if you all haven't picked up on the trend of my favorite, like pre- like my preference of, of, of game, I'm not sure that made sense. Let me start over. I'm not sure you all have picked up on my, my preference uh, like my favorite style, my favorite game style. Good lord, that was hard to say. Um, but I really prefer the uh, kind of old school, old fashioned kind of slugfest, like kind of the low scoring, kind of defensive style games. So that's why I love Iowa so much. This is all they do. But um, anyways, I I chose this game just because of that slugfest style nature. Um, as I mentioned, Ohio State won seventeen fourteen, and we all remember um, Ohio State had that late drive in the fourth quarter. A uh, little bit of a questionable, um, not questionable, but you, we all remember that um, that play at the very end of the game that just sealed the deal for the Buckeyes. And, of course, who can all forget the infamous Ryan Day, Lou Holtz rant, and that uh, pretty much sparked all the beef between those two because um, I would love to know where Lou Holtz is right now if you're just asking me. But, um, yeah, without a doubt, that was probably my favorite game of the year just between the Slugfest and, of course, the Ryan Day just rant that was – Pretty hilarious, in my opinion. Notre Dame having ten guys in the field. Yes, that's what that's Ohio what I couldn't State. think of that. Yeah, yeah. And Ohio State really just kind of finding a way to survive, and they run behind a guy from our high school, Episcopal legend Donovan Jackson, there for the win. And yeah, the I mean the Ryan Day thing has turned into such a meme. It's very very funny, but yeah, that was a great selection. All right. Well, I think that will just about do it for this episode of Trouble with the Snap. Um, Wow, this kind of went by fast, in my opinion. I was having a lot of fun talking ball. Um, As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, any things of that nature, any ideas, um, suggestions, anything, you you name it, you know where to find us on our socials on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, Also, I I gave it a little bit of a plug last episode, but I'll continue to do so just because I thought it's really fun. Um, we have a website now, so if y'all would be interested in maybe learning more about the show or things like that, or keeping up with the latest news around us, um, 
that our website is linked in our Instagram bio. So please feel free to check that out anytime if you'd like to. Um, but yeah, with all that being said, uh, thank you all very much for listening. We had an incredible time doing this for y'all throughout the regular season. And we are very excited to, uh, you know, wrap up, um, wrap up this season with, uh, a lot of bowl games coming up and of course the CFP. So thanks for bearing with us and we will talk to y'all in the next episode. Thank you all.